Chapter Twenty Four of Living with Our Children by Clara D. Pearson. This recording is in the public domain. Constructive criticism. On a bit of hotel advertising, there lately appeared this request: If you do not like our service, please tell us why. If you do like it, tell other people. That was good business sense. The grouchy man who is invited to give vent to his grouchiness frequently finds that it evaporates. At all events, the manager who issued the invitation thus volunteered to act as a shock absorber for the bad temper or justifiable indignation of a patron, and doubtless became very tired of his self-appointed task. Either that, or if many complained to him, he learned in simple self-protection to give only a superficial sympathy what was the real purpose of the request would not the malcontent have complained in any case of course he would and all the more insistently if he felt complaints were undesired the real purpose must have been a tactful driving home of the truth that the privilege of criticizing adversely implies an obligation to speak appreciatively when that is possible too many of us forget that obligation too many of us when you get right down to the last analysis criticize far more to ease our own discontent than to help the other person the criticizee so to speak overcome the fault or mistake upon which we so glibly comment that is all wrong criticism like matrimony should not be entered into lightly nor without due consideration consider how much more apt we are to notice shortcomings when we ourselves are ill or overtired under those circumstances it is unwise to offer suggestions as to the mistakes of others far better to think over the occasion which annoys us and then if when we are well and rested criticism still seems desirable we can go about it more judiciously it is not a bad idea to formulate a few principles in regard to this overstressed duty a certain dear but rather positive old gentleman used laughingly to say in regard to his assertions i always think myself right and i generally am after his death his daughter in alluding to this trait said father was right it seems to me that he was practically infallible and there was a reason for it while the rest of us are putting into words our own moods and impulses and advancing unweighed opinions father was sitting genially silent and non-committal considering the matter from every angle so that when he did speak his words carried weight if he did not convince us at the time the course of later events was sure to vindicate him so with our criticisms of others and especially of our children perhaps we can work out certain principles first try always to make sure that criticism is necessary the over nice parent is soon listened to with indifference there is no sense in offering advice in regard to a situation badly dealt with but which can never arise again far better pass it over in silence than to make the little blunderer uncomfortable and place him instantly on the defensive children come to perceive their own mistakes and naughtiness far oftener than we are apt to realize second if criticism is necessary it is not always imperative that it be given at once 
There is much in choosing the right time for this, always, if possible, when it can be made in private. Auditors become either outspoken or silent partisans, and too frequently the outcome is a distressing family discussion and a child who says, Everybody is picking on me, and is thoroughly antagonized. Third, try to express appreciation of some pleasant phase of the matter under discussion before your adverse opinion is voiced, for this disarms resentment. For instance, Ned, I think you work very faithfully at clearing away the dead leaves, and I know that it is a tedious task when there are so many to be handled. I believe that if you would pack them a trifle more firmly into the basket, when carrying them to the bonfire, it would be better, because then they could not blow back over the ground which has been cleared. You just remember to try it tonight after school, and then praise Ned when he does remember. Fourth, always assume that the person criticized wants to do right, and that you and he are really agreed, not opposed in the matter. Fifth, never offer a criticism unless it is constructive that is to say do not find fault with an action unless you can suggest an improvement on it you will remember that holmes said in effect that this world is peopled by two classes those who go ahead and do something and those who sit back and ask why it was not done in some other way and our beloved Roosevelt declared that the only man who made no mistakes was the man who did nothing. After all, most of our criticisms should be directed at ourselves, silent but effective, and we can best help our children by teaching them to discover and rectify their own faults and mistakes. Any other method is at best only a temporary expedient, to be abandoned as soon as is safely possible. We parents should seldom think of ourselves as mentors, but always as friends, companions, chums, not so much proclaiming the child's faults to him as providing an environment of high ideals, right living, and affection in which he can best work out for himself normal standards of action. End of chapter 24